0: Hello and welcome to the Adventure Audio Podcast. This is episode 101 and this is an interview with Laura Cameron King, who is a bicycle racer, entrepreneur, and as you'll learn, a a doer of many, many things. She's a very, very busy person, very high achieving, which are the type of people that we love to have on the podcast and kind of dig into how they accomplish as much as they do. So Laura's really cool. Uh, Again, an extremely busy person. So much gratitude to Laura for spending some of her valuable time with us on the podcast this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the black bibs who are home to the now legendary 40 dollars bib shorts i've been using their gear for about a year now it's absolutely remarkable what they're able to produce really high quality cycling apparel at their price points but they're doing it so check them out at blackbibs.com. also go back frequently because they often have limited edition gear jerseys bibs etc colors Um, and there's some seasonality to it too and they also sell out stuff pretty fast so check them out early and often also follow them on instagram that's where you can stay up to speed on when they're releasing stuff this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the state bicycle company and their 6061 all-road bikes But it doesn't just stop there. State does a whole bunch of really, really cool stuff, including apparel. And they've got parts and they've got some parts in stock. So if you need parts for a bicycle, if you're in need of a new bicycle, I know they just got all roads in stock. They sell them out fast every time they get a new batch. Check them out at statebicycle.com. If you use code Adventure Audio, all one word, you'll get free shipping too which is a pretty significant savings. Lastly, the podcast is brought to you by Wheel Science. So they are our latest and greatest partner with the podcast and what Wheel Science does is high performance carbon fiber wheels for road racing, cyclocross, uh, triathlon, etc. cetera, gravel in particular. So check them out at wheelscience.com. We also have a code for you there. It's also Adventure Audio. That'll give you 10% off your order. They have wheels in stock. They are remarkably well-priced for how high performance they are, like we're talking really top-of-the-line wheels. They also do custom stuff, so you can reach out to them, and you can discuss all the parameters of your wheel requirements, and they can make a recommendation for you as well. That's at wheelscience.com. Lastly, thank you, everybody, for listening, and on to Laura King. So we've been circling this for a little while, but Laura's been on the road. It seems like a combination of of van life and gravel racing, and you've been kind of all over the place all summer, which is super cool. So we'd love to hear a little bit about that, but just a little more background in your career in cycling too. Um, and you've had a super impressive year. Like I said to Tyler, like seeing some of your results, like you have a toddler, too, which <laughs> yeah. is no joke how you're making that all work. But to just rewind a little bit, just tell us about your history with, with cycling and the bike and how you got to this point.
1: Sure. Um, I was a competitive swimmer that when my competitive swimming days ended, um, naturally kind of found triathlon and that was in college and we had a triathlon club and, um, kind of got hooked. Right. Right. Just, you know, I loved, I loved a sport. I was drawn to the endurance fix. So, um, I found my next endurance fix through triathlon and actually kind of uh, pursued triathlon pretty seriously, somewhat seriously to seriously um, for about 12 years um, through all the distances, uh, raced Kona Ironman and um, qualified for my professional card. And just at that point was starting to feel like uh, the the demand of the sport of triathlon amidst my career goals um, was pretty, it's a pretty challenge. Challenging. There are a lot of sacrifices involved, like to to compete at an elite level is you know twenty to thirty hours a week, and I also had a full time job, and it was just starting to take the the joy out of the sport for me. So I started. I moved to Marin County, California. I started dabbling in more of the mountain bike side of things, and discovered I really had a love for the dirt. At that same time, I was invited to um, USA Cycling. Talent ID camp at Colorado in Colorado Springs and just got just really opened my eyes more to the cycling world. And at that point was kind of uh, deciding whether maybe road was the way I was going to take my next goals. And, um, and that also ended up not, you know, I went to that camp and there were some professional women there who had recently retired and really kind of gave it to us um very honestly about like what the life of a professional female pro cyclist was like I'd love to hear
2: what they told you a little maybe whatever it's a hard life it's a hard life right yes so at that
1: no at that camp uh, um I remember Mari Holden and I, I can't remember who a couple of the others were but Saying, well, here's the reality. You know, you'll probably make the salary of a gas station attendant, a Seven Eleven attendant, and if you if you do really well, maybe you'll make a manager. Maybe you'll make a manager. And and it you'll be, you know, throughout your career, will be probably there will be more lows than highs, and just the injury and being away, missing your family and friends, and and I appreciated that they were just so upfront because they were saying at the end of the day, you know, you have to really want this, and and that, that wasn't a burning desire inside of me. I love the sport and being competitive. But for me, I also love not having pressure and having a job where I don't – I'm not um, depending on my results to have a paycheck. And so that just kind of was where I was led to and and, and was in, working in the industry already. I worked for Power Bar and then Goo and was enjoying, you know, a career in the industry as well. So – um, I just kind of pursued events and competition where I felt the most joy, and um, that led me to kind of try some exteras and then eventually just kind of, hey, well, let's do Leadville, and um, eventually that kind of transitioned to gravel as well, and it was around that time that I met Ted, so our my trajectory into gravel continued to kind of <laughs> go go even deeper as he was already kind of trending on that path.
2: That's great, that's great. And you and did you meet on the bike, is that what I heard?
1: Yeah, we did. We met in Sonoma County, California. He had just retired and moved to the Bay Area. And um, I think the weekend after he moved, we we met uh, with a, a group ride out in, on King Ridge, actually one of the most iconic and beautiful roads in Sonoma County.
2: that's pretty fitting i like that yeah um well so so yeah and then you got bit by the gravel bug it sounds like you know both you and ted and and then a, a lot has happened since then you know for me it was wild like i i remember reading about ted like oh he's retiring and then it was like two years later he's like racing again but yeah i thought it was really neat yeah ted retired then it was uh all of a sudden he had this a new career and um you know maybe arguably a better career you know more exciting a lot more fun it looks sure it looks like and and uh certainly more sustainable yeah
1: yeah I don't think he saw that coming but it's it was right timing right place in one sense and um yeah it's been neat to kind of be to to be alongside that journey and and see where it's taken him and us <laughs> sure
2: yeah and now you guys have a big a big gravel race what's that every every summertime what's it called rooted Vermont
1: Called Rooted Vermont, yep. And yep. it's the last weekend in July. So it's a kind of a whole weekend affair, July 29th through the 31st. I was just out a couple hours ago, scouting a new section of what we call class four roads here in Vermont. So kind of their um, unmaintained Jeep roads and uh, seeing if we can add a little more spice to our, to our route. So yeah, it's something um, I work alongside my friend, Kristen, who's the co-promoter, and it's something we work on all year round. So it's a big, we put a lot of effort and in, um, work into it to make it, we really want it to be something that's, you know, one of the the best gravel events in the country. And we're excited to be in a place that we also believe has some of the best dirt roads to show off. So Vermont's a really cool place. Uh, do dollars- you- oh,
0: go ahead. Doing- go ahead How many years have you been doing Rooted now? Because like being an event director is a huge huge job and it sounds like you're very much the event director there right?
1: Yes Uh, alongside my partner Kristen yeah we co-manage it together and um, it was kind of fortuitous I had just left a job that I was in and trying to was trying to figure out what my next steps were and here I am we just moved to Vermont I'm just thinking you know what am I going to do now we're in Vermont they're in a there's not a lot of, this is before COVID and all the remote work. So, um, yeah. And we had had a lot of Ted and I had just a lot of times people seeing the social media we were putting out and the, the terrain here, you know, when are you going to put on a gravel event? was a constant question. And we knew that if we were going to do it, we wanted to like do it as best as we could and not, it wasn't going to be just this like little side project. So, it was kind of perfect timing to, for me to be like, okay, I have the capacity um, to to start this and, and we decided to go for it. So yeah, this is going to be, let's see, we just had 2021, which was supposed to be our third year, but COVID obviously canceled the second. So it was our second.
0: Right. Awesome. Yeah. And You're we just so responsible for everybody who's out there all day, right? Like it's just it's taxing.
1: Yeah, it, in many, it's more stressful in many ways than I ever anticipated, but it's also more gratifying than I ever anticipated. So you kind of just uh, – you learn to kind of try and uh, manage that stress and minimize it however best you can, and then also just, like, really soak up that whole weekend. And, you know, when a community comes together and it's like you watch so many people um, – Crush their goals, or just have an amazing time in in your little like town of four thousand people. It's super meaningful, and it's it makes the hard work and sometimes the stress and maybe the few cranky people around town that don't like bikes. Um, it makes it it makes it all worth it.
2: That's great. Yeah. And can you tell us about the um, mullet protocol?
1: Yes, um, I'm very proud to have coined that term oh, nice. when we were when it we were. Far- it's great. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. We're in the yeah. we're we're finally trademarking that term. Um, I love but, it. But yeah, when we were in the process of kind of coming up with the marketing copy and our website and everything that we felt like rooted was going to be about, um, you know, the way that you sell an event before you've had an event is really like you have to have the creative assets and you have to have you, you know you got to somehow bring personality to it to something that hasn't yet happened. So when trying to describe what we really wanted the ethos of the ride to be, we said we follow millet Protocol because we want to be just as much about the business in the front as the party in the back. And really that also goes to our event is we place as much emphasis on the ride as we do the party afterwards. We have a pretty, I think, one of the best after parties in gravel with pretty – top-notch food that you would find at a a bike event, and uh, just a whole lot of, like, stoke and camaraderie, and we cheer for the very last finisher, and there's just a lot of special energy, I think, um, that happens post-ride. So, yeah, that that term kind of, like, envelops all of that um, kind of ethos and spirit about what we want to be about.
2: That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Thanks. And you've been working hard on getting uh, more women into cycling. I know you're working, uh, rooted Vermont, at, like trying to get, get it 50% women, 50, 50% men. That's awesome. Thanks. Lo- um, I love that. Do, do you put on a clinic too for women for
1: yeah, getting, getting used yeah. to gravel. Yes. So, um, this will also be your, we'll go next year will be your, th- year three of the clinic. And I think, Um, First of all, it's a huge community effort that I am like, we have a pretty special women's community here in Vermont that, you know, one of my biggest fears in moving from California to Vermont was like, I was going to be isolated without any of the same kind of cycling and outdoor community that I used to have in the Bay Area. And I was completely wrong in that. In fact, it was even stronger. And um, collectively, this community has really come together. And we've we just really felt strongly that instead of, um, just opening more slots to women, we felt like we needed to kind of take a step back and do the work to first help them to get to that point. Maybe it rooted, isn't even the goal that they want, but ultimately getting more women on bikes would serve the greater purpose of what we really are trying to achieve. And through that, it's been, I mean, I think we underestimated the power of that clinic retreat weekend and. how much it would impact people and um how much it would also kind of help pay it forward and so we had this last year we had 240 applicants it's a free clinic for the weekend we had over 20 mentors and skill leaders and um so we were able to host 100 of those women and 50% of them are from Vermont, 50% are from out of state. And um, a big kind of part of the application is, you know, how are you going to take what you learned from this weekend and apply it back to your community? And it's been really neat to see. I mean, because we are limited by how, how much we can do just in one place, it's like this feels like it exponentially grows our efforts. So, you know, we have not only we have People coming to the clinic who come as beginners and then the next year have developed into mentors, which is a really awesome thing to yeah. see, um, to be growing leaders, but also to see people going back to their communities. There's one woman um, who came to us from Houston and she's gone back and begun the Houston Gravel Collective and has tons of riders coming to get together and meet. And and that's just kind of opened our eyes to like, okay, this is this is. I guess like a great model for how we can feel like we're um affecting a larger you know group of women than we that with just the what we have the tools that we have and the you know the the one weekend we have where i feel like we're maximizing what we can do so that's been pretty special and just because of the because of the momentum from that and the community that's developed, I mean, these women who meet this weekend are also meeting up at gravel rides around the country and feel like they kind of have this, you know, this, this team or this community. Um, We really felt strongly that it was not going to be challenging to reach 50% now that we have kind of done that work. So yeah, we're, we're excited to finally, we knew that was a goal from the beginning, but we knew it would take some couple years to kind of get there. So we're excited to announce that this year and and be able to uh, achieve that goal. It's going to be awesome.
0: Congratulations on that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> uh,
2: I'd love to hear about, um, yeah, I mean, well, congratulations. You have a young daughter. And, um, you know, word on the street was you rode pretty much straight through pregnancy and were riding maybe a week after giving birth is that right wow that's impressive that's Uh,
1: thanks I I didn't set out with like any idea in mind of I'm gonna crush all these you know pregnancy goals or anything um I just like the bike brings so much to my life it's the way I socialize with my friends it's like my you know time to really think it's it's what makes me feel me, and so it was. I was pretty anxious about like losing that, and or maybe um, losing so many facets of what the bike brings to me throughout pregnancy, and was really thankful that I was able to continue to ride, and was actually surprised at as I progressed even farther, how much I was still able to do, and how much my body was still capable of. It's it's pretty actually mind blowing that you can be growing a human and still like, um, tackling heart. Yeah. Challenging rides and terrain. So it was kind of a cool little bit of an experiment. Um, I felt really confident in, you know, I've been riding a bike for a very long time. I consider myself pretty adept at skill level wise. And, uh, you know, I would, my doctors did not, um, really condone the riding but I think that it's a totally nuanced um decision because like I wasn't out there snowboarding I'm not a highly skilled snowboarder you know but so it really depends on like the bike that you choose and how the tool for the job on the conditions that in the roads that you ride and and how long you've been riding a bike and how confident you feel so yeah I felt lucky that I was able to do that and also never expected to get on the bike so quickly either but you know it's just like my trainer was sitting there and i thought i'll just hop on and i'll see how it feels and that first endorphin rush again it's just like it's addicting you know it's like something you crave and amidst all the things that have changed and shifted in life it really it's like the one thing that still, that makes you feel like yourself. So that's, that's been something that's just really important to me. And I feel grateful that I was healthy and the baby was healthy and we were all able to, I was able to still pursue what I love.
0: And just from a practical perspective, like we're not a, we're not a training podcast, but like, it's really impressive. Like you didn't just get, yeah. you're around the block like you're you're fully racing you're doing really competitive events riding with really competitive people and really hard long distances like how did you balance that all out like that's something that i think our listeners take value in yeah well you have a toddler like how did you make that all work because your training volume you're obviously still training like quite a bit so how did just like what does a typical day look like
2: and you have a few other jobs we haven't talked about yet <laughs> yeah yeah but
0: but
2: like there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. lots going <laughs> well, on. Yeah, good question.
1: Absolutely, Pete. number one um, is having a partner who wants, who values my goals and wants to help make that possible. So um, I really appreciate like Ted and I are a lot alike in many regards, and we really are similarly like driven and goal oriented, and also both really like to have full plates with a lot going on. So. Um, He's the first person I've met who I've actually thought, like, I thought I had a lot on my plate, and then yeah. I'm like, you're hard to keep up with. So, yeah, every once in a while, it tires us out, but um, I appreciate, like, we just get creative, like, uh, driving, we often, one person will drive, and the other person will ride to a destination that we're going to. Um, our most fun version of that was riding to Grandma and Grandpa's house, which his parents are 180 miles away, so he took the he took the ride down, and I I took the ride back, and so it's like wow. I don't know. It's it's cool that we can both understand that each other that we love to do something like crazy like that, and um, and get excited for each other. And let's see, uh, a lot of just kind of we're pretty organized and talk about. Our schedules in advance and share a calendar and um also trade back and forth on just like you know he when he has big goals in mind like doing the Arkansas high country thousand mile crazy race um yeah. you know I'm like okay I I this is this is an important goal for you and I'll like you know hold down the ford at home and then he did that ride and I kind of said planted the seed like I'd like to go do something like that Um, and was able to do kind of a high alpine mountain adventure with my good friend Jess Sarah um starting in Durango that we did for it was a four-day trip and that was kind of our version of like my big my big adventure trip and his support for that he flew home with Hazel by himself and you know, held down the fort too. So just that makes all the difference. Um, But, you know, sometimes it's less glamorous. Sometimes it's a quick hour trainer ride because that's what works for the day. And, um, you know, even on our van trips, Ted's really helpful in the sense that, like, uh, he logistics-wise when we're van tripping, like, we just – drove down to Arkansas and we stopped in the middle of Missouri and I didn't know where we are. We stopped at a park. He went for a ride. Um, I played with Hazel at the park. He got back. I just took his route cause he had already like planned it all out and he played with Hazel at the park and then I went for a ride. So yeah, it's some just creativity um, and trying to, you know, I think it's also about like what we value and what we make time for um, writing is definitely something that's that we, we, we do the work to carve out time, even sometimes when it is less convenient um, just because it's something that's important to us.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's inspiring. And yeah. it, uh, um, it, when we see people like you and Ted, like Tyler and I we're like, well, they're eliminating all the excuses. Like just <laughs> yeah. theory, go get a- like so
1: well, you know, that's one thing that I don't know if I was sort of like motivated by, but I I had a hard time with the comments that you sometimes get as you're entering into parenthood through pregnancy and after about how like your life is some somehow now over. And I I just really felt strongly that it wasn't and that it was only from my, my experience is that it only feels added to like I don't feel like I've lost anything. Um, And I guess, like, you hear enough of that. Sometimes you hear enough of that message of, like, almost scaring people about what life is going to be like because you won't, you know, what are you going to do now that you can't ride your bike? I I would hear comments like that. And I just wanted to show that it doesn't have to be that way, you know? It can also be a really... Positive experience.
2: Yeah, you got. Yeah, you guys are a bigger, better, stronger team now, for sure. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's it's more fun than I ever anticipated. So,
0: and you start to figure out all of the margins, right? Like, if I went back in time and told myself from seventeen years ago, pre kids, that I was going to have to run around for them for. 25 hours a week i'd say it's impossible like there's just there is no such thing as that much time it's i'll never be able to do anything that i want it doesn't the math doesn't work but it works but you can't be lazy and you need to figure out the margins which you guys are obviously expert at
1: 100 percent. i definitely waste a lot less time and i'm more efficient and you know yeah I'm more yeah. organized because yeah. you, you want to make it work yeah but it's also like i I enjoy going to races and traveling and more than I ever did. I think just because it's like, I know I think it's really special time for our family that we get to do this all together Um and experience it together and make it, I don't know. It's just more, it's like we're creating memories now. It's not just about going to another bike race. It's, you know, it's everything also that comes along with it. And now we have, I don't know. Gravel's neat because it's like every place that we're traveling, we're seeing a lot of our kind of bike family and community. And um, I think that's neat for Hazel to see. And it's, you know, every every race director that we reach out to ends up figuring out one of their most trusted friends to watch Hazel while we're riding. And it's just, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to have that network, the network and family of um, I guess what riding a bike brings, right? It brings people together. And so that's, that's pretty cool.
2: Oh, that's, that's really nice to hear. Really nice to hear. I mean, my Uh, family,
1: my family, they don't ride a bike. I have three sisters and they're always kind of commenting from the outside, like you're going where, and how do you have someone to watch Hazel? And do you, you know, how did you find this person? And it's hard to explain sometimes, but it's like, without the community of the bike, it would be a lot more difficult. Yeah.
2: Can you share with us a little bit about, so you have a marketing career, right? And you do a bunch of work for what Sonoma County. And, and it was also untapped, which you haven't talked about. I'd love to hear about <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. My my background is in uh, sports nutrition of all things, which was kind mm-hmm. of funny when I met Ted, but um, uh, then let's see. Yeah. I, about half of my job nowadays is working for a real estate development company called Replay Destinations, and they are a real, an uh, experience-driven real estate company. They, one of their projects is in Healdsburg, California, so kind of wine country and phenomenal uh, road riding area. Um, and this development that they're currently working on in Healdsburg, it I mean, they're basically using cycling as a marketing vehicle for the project. So, number one, we're bringing community together in this space. that's not yet built, but it's kind of – it's an old lumber mill. So, we're kind of right now operating what's kind of like a velo club out of the remnants of the old lumber mill. And it it will eventually be a lot of luxury homes and commercial space and a boutique hotel. But the – you know, what we're doing right now is – leading these rides, we will be, we spend about six weeks in the spring and, um, a few weeks in the fall leading rides to kind of spread the story, tell people what is happening, tell people about, or to build community there. Um, and then also, you know, eventually people kind of, I don't know, rise to the top, I guess there, the interest becomes obvious if, someone is riding with us and is like, oh, I'm also actually interested in living here. And I like the idea of a development that would have amenities for cyclists and that I could start my ride and finish my ride at home and, you know, be amongst a lot of other cycling, a lot of other cyclists. I kind of think about a place like Girona kind of naturally, that naturally happening, right? You know, if you go vacation there, you're going to be amongst other riders, whether you interact with them or not, or, but just in the, you know, cafes or whatever. Um, and that's kind of the idea behind this development and it's a really kind of unique project, but, um, it's, we've, I've, both Ted and I are involved. I've been involved for about four years now and, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it it brought together a lot of my skill sets and it also is really awesome to still spend time in a place that is our, was our former home and where we have a lot of community. And to, I, I think one of the things I love is bringing community together. I do that at Rooted. Um, I feel like that's kind of my, one of my natural inclinations. And so to be able to do that on the West Coast is really fun and uh, it's really authentic to us because we love, we love that place and we think it has a lot to offer, so.
2: I mean, it's probably one of the best places in the world to ride a bike.
1: Completely.
2: A a road bike, right? For sure. Exactly.
1: I say world-class road riding, and then Vermont has the really good dirt riding. So we get a little little, little, little.
2: So back to Vermont. So that's where Untapped started, right?
1: It is, and that was a motivating factor for moving back east. Um, The company – so Ted co-founded the company uh, when he was still racing, I think – 2014 um, they launched a crowdfunding campaign uh, around the time the Tour de France was going and surpassed their crowdfunding goals and that kind of kicked off the company I mean Ted for many years had been you know a New Englander who was gifted maple syrup at races and kind of known for his love of maple syrup and would often go to farmers markets trying to get find a maple syrup um, purveyor who would understand his idea to put maple syrup into a goo or a you know sports gel type packet and a lot of them didn't really get it and he finally was connected with two of the Cochrane brothers who doug and roger brown um come from a competitive alpine skiing background they were athletes and maple syrup producers and they they got it and they happened to be richmond vermont residents And they came together along with one other partner and yeah, formed Untapped. And um, not only, yeah, has the company continued to grow and and do really well, but um, it was kind of, they were definitely a motivating factor. And like, I, I visited New England a bunch. I met Roger and his wife, Jenny, and really just like, we connected and I felt like, okay, they're cool people. They live in Vermont. So this must be a nice place, even though I was a little bit hesitant about the weather out here. Um, and yeah, it's been really cool to see the company grow. They've been hiring some people and at more and more events and sponsoring bigger, bigger events and adding more products. And um, it's been, yeah, it's been exciting. I'm not involved in the day-to-day business, but it is interesting having, I've had, I've definitely like, when I have the chance like to hear what's going on and be a little bit involved coming from my, my background in sports nutrition. So
2: say hi to Ted and wish him a a quick recovery.
0: Yeah.
1: I will. Thank you so much. What,
0: what happened? His elbow looked, he shared an X-ray and it looked like I'm not a doctor, but it looked like it was broken in more than one spot and not in good places.
1: The surgeon said he's never seen an elbow so bad. So it was crushed and honestly he hates that he doesn't have like a better story he he's like i don't know what happened he was going downhill in the race having a good race and uh he thinks he like hit something and his hand came off the bar or something but um not like not anything dramatic and not really what you would have expected thought he just like you know really bumped it and it was and it was cut and bleeding and but had no idea that he had just kind of smashed it so bad so That's pretty unfortunate. Thankfully, like a lot of uh, three plates and a lot of screws, they think it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It won't be the same elbow, but it will be okay. It'll be mostly functional. (laughs) Thankfully in cycling, you don't use your elbow too much. So,
2: Uh, What's the recovery time? What do they say about that?
1: They haven't really yet because I think in two weeks, he'll go get a he'll check in and then they'll assess they actually don't want your elbow to get too stiff so it's like finding that line where you can start moving it but it's also semi you know kind of started to heal together so i don't know
2: oh man uh we'll send him our best i will you know i thought it was a cool story that you know tj eisenhart he stopped and then floyd landis stopped you know that's (laughs) that's great you know that's it seems like gravel is just such a such a great community and you know it, that didn't that didn't surprise me. And it was, it but totally it, was, it, was, it was nice to read that. Yeah. I hope his recovery goes well. And yeah, I mean, he had what a collarbone earlier in the season. Yeah, and
1: unfortunate phew. bone here. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, it's one one of the unfortunate parts about being a bike racer. You know, exactly.
1: So, yeah, you know how yeah. that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Plus, you must already be well into twenty twenty two plans. Is there anything uh, anything interesting to share? Or untapped. Sure. Well, for, well, for everything for, so for, for, rooted for you, like what's your race calendar? I, I, I'm sure it's already starting to fill up.
1: Yeah.
2: I love the family led boat. That was, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt
1: cool, like man. that was the the more sane uh, <laughs> arrangement. No, we had a really good time doing that and that was cool because we got to support each other and yeah. Um, yeah. Good question. Um, A lot of our, favorite calendar events will be happening again in 2022. I know for, for certain, um, Ted might have a few in January and February that I'm not yet aware of, but I know we're going to Mid-South as one of our first events that I've never done. And so I'm really excited to. We love Bobby Wintle who puts on that race. He's an exceptional human being. Um, and Ted has enjoyed that race. So, we uh yeah, it's just gonna go. it's gonna be a a packed it's gonna be packed uh, schedule starting in March. We have our probably our trip to Healdsburg beginning in the spring, and then there's gravel locos and unbound, and kind of just goes on and on for there. Um, I really enjoyed the last best ride. We both really enjoyed the last best ride in Montana. Anybody who knows I me see. knows I really. I'm great friends with Jess, Sarah, and love what she's all about and what she and Sam do there. So that's my big shout-out for a destination ride. Montana is so great. Are you in Montana, Tyler? Yeah, I'm just
2: to the south in Missoula, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, I heard that's, that was a great event this year.
1: I Yeah, we had a blast. Ted was excited. Ted won. Yeah, he was excited to take the win. Um, and I got third and I was pleased Congrats. with that and thank you. And I just, we just had, we enjoyed the terrain. Um, I like it cause it's not, you know, there's some races out there. People call kind of like champagne gravel. It's more of a road race. This was more, you know, you needed a little technical skill and a little bit more. So you could ride a mountain bike. I think the woman who placed second was on a mountain bike. So it was kind of a debate whether you could, which was faster. But yeah, as far as uh, we'll be quickly rolling into the women's clinic in June, June 17th through the 19th, and soon after that, then we'll have Rooted at the end of July, and then honestly, things usually get pretty busy after July, because we finally feel like, I feel like I can, like, have the weight off of having Rooted under our belt, and hopefully successful, <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know what what exactly the fall will bring, but it'll you be have
0: two summers yeah. you have like pre rooted, post rooted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get it. So, where can people follow along on? Uh, obviously, you 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 and Ted both have awesome Instagram pages, but they can follow along rooted separately too, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, um, Instagram is the best place probably for any of our kind of updates. So, rooted Vermont. Um, at rooted vermont vermont spelled out or i'm at laura cameron king and ted is at i am ted king and hazel does not have an instagram (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: good i like that well this is what a pleasure much thank you for doing this
1: thank you both it's great to chat with you
0: One more thank you to Laura for spending some time with us and one more thank you to all of you for spending some of your valuable time listening to the podcast. If you would like to give us a hand in supporting the podcast, the best ways that you can do that are of course by word of mouth. That's how podcasts grow. But also if you are able to give us a positive review or a subscribe on whatever platform you're finding the pod. We really appreciate that. We'll see you next week.